Well, as he has done for the best part of 13 years at this time, Philip Malloy joins me with news of movies and television. Philip, welcome to the programme. Thank you, George. Thank you. Uh, Amy is on release. Yeah. I uh, don't even know what the story is, well, but I wouldn't want well, to see that, it. That's interesting in itself because um, I, I didn't know that much about her. I, may, I I would have, say, remembered a couple of her songs, but I didn't know that much about her. And one of the things that this movie does, it's about, okay, this singer, she's a jazz, I suppose you'd call her a jazz singer, and she died of alcoholic poisoning. She was a Londoner, died of alcoholic poisoning at the very young age of 27 so it's that story from about her mid-teens uh, to 27 and the things that happened to her and as I say I wouldn't I, I just see it was you know for a, a period uh, because of the way she was being chased by the paparazzi by the British uh, media um, it was hard uh, not to notice her in the tabloids especially and uh, so, and she had she tended to have this kind of gothic makeup, uh, hair, black hair, all right. swirled up, and a special sort of eye makeup. And one of the interesting things that this movie does is it it it, it juxtaposes that against her her sweetness, her lovely sort of girlish personality. And that comes across uh, throughout the movie. There's great sort of bursts of personality uh, all through the movie. But as I say. Um, I wouldn't have known that much well, about her, I, I but I, I, I kind of, kind of, I wouldn't say fell in love with her in the in the movie, but I was very attracted to her. All right, okay, yeah. because generationally, like we, she wouldn't have crossed yeah. our radar, and all we would have seen was pictures of her in the tabloids. Yeah. And generationally, again, you tend to draw conclusions yeah. uh, about that sort of gothic appearance. But uh, the key to this, I presume, and I've already said, it's not a movie I go and see. Mm. Presumably, it's the actress who plays Amy. No, it's not a feature. It's a documentary. All right. It's a documentary, just over uh, two hours long. A uh, documentary. A, a, a bio documentary. And one of the amazing things, and this is, I suppose, this is a, this is a commentary on. I'm going to kind of tribute to the period again that you're talking about that it's set in, in that almost every everything she did from a certain age was filmed, it was either filmed on mobile phones, uh, was filmed, uh, concerts were filmed, uh, record sessions were filmed. Uh, so he has the director has all this uh, this amazing variety of film, which which he shapes into into a, a two hour uh, okay, bio well, documentary. If I got it wrong, the actress was. A important it's not a yeah. movie no, no actress no. therefore director's crucial director's absolutely crucial and it's the director who made Senna so you know you're on very kind of sound ground uh, with this All guy right. and uh, it's very very well done incredibly well done it's, okay we've gone through a period uh, for several years now as you know because we've talked about them here where there have been some really fine documentaries but this is probably the best I've seen this year so we get a bit of fiction following fact. We get a bit of fiction. Fiction is right. Yeah. All right. What have you got on well, fiction? Well, if this is a sequel and, you know, every second movie, as you know, that comes out now is a sequel. And it's Magic Mike XXL. Now, I presume you know what the XXL stands for. It didn't the size of my golf shirt. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, Um, he's a male stripper. He's a male stripper, and it's about this. uh, It's a sequel, first of all, to Magic Mike, and it's uh, a very sort of slight sequel, and it's about this group of uh, of male strippers. 
who call themselves, what are they called? The Kings of Tampa. That's what they call themselves. And they're basically, they're traveling from Tampa uh, Bay um, in Florida up to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina for a stripper's convention. That's it. Along the way, there's a couple of, uh, they go off on on a couple of tangents. uh, But basically, that's what it's about. So this is a kind of a road movie. They're in a bus. Yeah, it, it would be a decent road movie if it was about anything. I mean, what they do is they they paralleled uh, some numbers along the way, some uh, stripper numbers along the way, with some awful, I think, um, dialogue scenes um, in a van. You never get into it's very coy. I mean, you you would you would wish at some stage, uh, you know, either they do it or get off the pot, like you know, but they don't do it. All right, it's very coy. It's very teasing. You but know? I it, do you remember Priscilla Queen of the Desert? Like, weren't they in I a don't. car, a van? No, they were. And they were they were but George, female impersonators, yeah, and, and it was very very, very good. good. But it was very very good uh, for a, a whole variety of reasons. Uh, first of all, um, it had a great. I think it had a really fine script. Of wonderful performances, especially by Ter- Terence Stamp. Uh, the music uh, of the time was used very very well. A different picture altogether. But who's the star of Mad Mike? It's Channing Tatum. It, it, the whole, the whole, but this is interesting enough, I suppose. Channing Tatum started off in Florida as a male stripper before he went to Hollywood and became, and he is a big star. So what he did was he uh, he got. When you a, say he became big, big star, you're not talking about his. XXL. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about XXL. Actually, XXL is there in the title, but it doesn't pop up or it doesn't come. Pop up. It doesn't. It doesn't appear. It Phillip, doesn't appear. This is a family show. It doesn't appear anywhere else okay so as far as the family show is concerned everybody is safe now interestingly I, I, I'd like to ask your opinion on this yeah. um, the the censor in Ireland really well he's not the censor anymore, anymore. No. he's the certification something or other yeah well certification officer or something yeah. like that would be yeah. it yeah but I am really worried or maybe I shouldn't be worried and I'm asking you because you bring your kids to mm. pictures mm. Are you not concerned about the proliferation of lang- bad language in movies that young children go and watch? Well, I, 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 well first of all, um, they're not supposed to be allowed in under a certain age, obviously. They're one of the things... Okay, but that's we, no, more honoured no, in no, the breach no, than the well, observance. Well, okay, just let me say this first of all. First of all, there are very few movies that are banned now, but what you get is you get them graded, Okay. And the yeah. and the censor's office, as you call it, provides this kind of grading service uh, for parents who who can decide then whether they they want to to um, you know to impose it or not. Uh, but my but, grandson yes, now knows yes, words yes, that yeah. I didn't know until I was yes. married. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have a sixteen-year-old and a thirteen-year-old, and they're very very well up on these things <laughs> on these things as well. And don't know what the answer to your question is. Are you going to stand at the door and stop him? Are you going to look for birth certificates um, what what are you going to do and one of the things that has happened in America there's an R rating there's what's called an R rating these ratings used to just be ratings at one stage but now the R rating has become it indicates a certain level of language it indicates a certain level of raunchiness it indicates uh, a certain level of, well, of, I of, took of nudity the kids to 21 Jump Street or something and I writhed in the seat but in embarrassment but it was a rubbish movie as well, George. It was a rubbish movie, yeah. and it was. And but anyway, restore my faith in the movies. 
Terminator. I won't see it until tomorrow morning, but that's, I've given you a sort. Okay, it's the fifth uh, Terminator um, in the series, and it's already been hammered uh, uh, for the way it, it copies James Cameron's first and second. In this one, second, in this one, the rebel, Kyle Reese, who's played by an Australian actor called Jay Courtney, he's sent back in time by John Connor, who's played by Jason Clark, to protect his mother, Sarah Connor. But that's the old story. Who's play, no, that's, that's, that's why I've let, laid it out like this, to indicate how close to the old story it is. Oh, for crying <laughs> the other Okay. And right. I, by the way, Schwarzenegger is back in this one. He wasn't in the fourth one and I do think Schwarzenegger hasn't made a success, really made a successful film since he came back from politics and I think it's about time he gave it up. Now, I really want you to yeah. tell me about seducing Ingrid Bergman. Well, seducing Ingrid, <laughs> seducing, I think you like saying that word even. Seducing, seducing yeah. Ingrid Bergman. Yeah, okay. Um, seducing Ingrid Bergman. Okay. Seducing. Well, first of all, it's about Ingrid it's, Bergman. It's, yeah, it's set in. It's set in. First of all, it starts in nineteen forty-five, and it's about the relationship between Ingrid Bergman. This would have been the Ingrid Bergman post Casablanca. Uh, post, uh, she she did um, For Whom the Bell Told, she did a, a succession of sort of movies uh, from the early to the mid-40s that were all enormously successful. Apparently she was going into the foyer, the lobby of the Ritz Hotel in Paris in June 1945, and who saw her but Robert Cava, the famous war um, photographer. And what he did was as a dare, he put a note under her, under the door of her hotel room, and this very kind of torrid relationship began from then. And this director called James Mangold, who directed uh, Walk the Line and the remake of Three Ten to Yuma, he is now preparing for a right. version of the, it. The interesting thing about Bergman, of course, she became very unpopular because she dumped that's one right. husband yeah. to go off with somebody else. Well, the, actually, that's this is not the person she went off with. Then. No, but, but she I, went off with. with somebody. A, you're talking about an Italian director um, that she went she went yeah. off with. Now, so. Capo was interesting yeah. in that. He, he landed in, in on the beaches in Normandy on D-Day and then he got frightened and he ran out of he ran out oh, of it on the first available boat. Oh, but even in the short time he was there, he had astonishing pictures. Yeah. And then he gave them to a fella to develop and the fella opened the window and, and ruined all the all the pictures. Well, he's and sub- he was killed then yeah. in the Spanish Civil War. That's right, yeah. Okay. He's supposed to have been... Uh, oh, how could he have been killed in the Spanish... Spanish Civil War if he was in... That's right, the yeah. Spanish Civil War was late 30s. No, no, that, he must have... That can't be right. He must have been killed some other place. <laughs> 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 apparently he was haunted by the horrors of war. No, by his... he got great... He has an amazing picture of a soldier being shot in the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it, that's it is. What it is. Well, he was haunted by these kind of war horrors that he experienced, yeah. his father's suicide and the death of a former lover that he held himself responsible for. So what you have in both cases, you might sort of look at this and say, you know, um, are we back to grace territory, you know, uh, Grace of Monaco territory, that kind of thing. But it, this actually sounds like there's enough in the relationship and enough in these, these two people's lives in order to make a good movie. All right. There's some great stuff coming up here that I'm interested in. <laughs> and I hope we have time. Yeah. Um, a programme about FIFA corruption. Yes. But, I mean, it's they're innocent. Not a, pro, not a programme, a feature film. Okay, a feature Yeah, but film. how can you make a film about corruption when it hasn't been proven? This is based on a book called House of Deceit, which was written by an L.A.-based um, uh, investigative journalist. And uh, Warner Brothers, actually, after an auction, Warner Brothers acquired Warner Brothers with um, Ben Affleck 
um, and Matt Damon. They acquired the the rights to this book last week, and it's 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 an account of the FIFA scandal that homes in um, on this guy Chuck Blazer. He was big in the soccer organization in America. I forget what it's called, what the equivalent. It, it handles the uh, the United States, the Caribbean, and Central America, that body. And it chronicles his kind of story and how he agreed to go undercover for the FBI to help their investigation. It's widespread corruption in the organization. One of the things that came out about him when the, these investigations were going on was that he hired um, a, ro- a room um, in Trump Towers in New York at $4,000 a month for his ca- cats. All right. Now, you're going to do a series, are you? Yeah, no, um, not every week, but, uh, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Famous feuds. Yeah, famous feuds. Well, you have a very interesting one to start. Well, I, yeah, and there's a whole lot of very interesting ones. Um, I recently I read um, a book called Escape Artist, and um, it was about, it's about it, uh, a biography of John Sturgis. John Sturgis is the guy who made Bladdale, Black Rock, The Great Escape, hence the name. So this uh, story actually comes from that period, the Magnificent Seven period. And what happened was, okay, it involves mainly three people, Yul Brynner, Anthony Quinn, and a a writer called Lou Morheim. Lou Morheim, okay, The Seven Samurai was was released in 1954, and Lou Morheim saw it uh, sometime after, and he decided to buy the rights. He bought the rights from the Toho Studios in Japan for $250. And well, he, you know, he bought him for a while. He bought an option on the rights. That's what it was. He told Quinn uh, that he had him, and Quinn was making a movie. He was directing a movie called The Buccaneer. Do you remember The yeah. Buccaneer? He was he was directing that with Yol Brenner at the time, and he told Brenner about it. Now the plan with Morheim and Quinn was that Quinn would um, appear in in this remake of the of the Seventh Samurai in the Tishiro Mufune uh, uh, part. Quinn told Yol Brenner all about it. And uh, they went on from there. They, they got the script. Then uh, Tyrone Power was making a movie, as you know, called Salmon and the Sheba with Lena jo- uh, Gina Lollabrigida. And what happened there was... I watched uh, it this week. Did you? He, he'd had a heart attack. This, Tyrone Power had a heart attack on the set and he died. So United Artists were looking for someone to fit in for him and they approached Joel Brenner. Joel Brenner took it on the basis that they would back the Magnificent Seven. So they agreed to back the Magnificent Seven. He threw out Lou Morheim's script. He got a new script as well and he decided to, to get rid of Anthony Quinn. And Quinn sued him for $1,150,000 at one stage but the suit was dropped because they didn't have any documentation. Anthony Quinn hated Joel Brenner for the rest of his life and there's a, a very strong quote from Brenner's bi- or from Anthony Quinn's biography. He described Joel Brenner as one of the most pretentious people in show business, a dreary a drearily insufferable man. And Solomon this, Sheba, yeah. I watched it this week. George Saunders. Yeah, lovely actor. Your Brenner with hair. Yes. And Gina Lola oh, Bridget. Yeah, yeah. She was, without a shadow of a doubt. very shapely. Episode. She was the most gorgeous woman of that era. There's mm. no question. Mm. Five foot two. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. And she married a fellow. There was a great scandal afterwards. She married a fellow when she was about 90. And he took a lot of our money. Yeah, and she sued him. It's going on at the moment, I think. Still. I think so. Listen, I've told you, don't remake 
good movies. Well, I mean, you're you're sending coals to Newcastle there, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I agree with you totally. It, what's this a, secret? Yeah, it makes no sense to. But but this is not a remake. Uh, it um, we're talking first of all, we're talking about Chariots of Fire, and it's a sequel to Chariots of Fire. And Joseph Fiennes, who's Ray Fiennes' his brother, he's to play the lead role of we've we've talked about this character before of the Scottish runner and devout Christian Eric Little, and the the movie is called The Last Race. Little's feats as an athlete and his rivalry with Harold Abrams uh, were immortalised, as we all know, in Chariots of Fire, which won four Oscars, including Best Picture. And the last race then covers Little's life after the events depicted in Chariots of Fire when he worked as a teacher and a missionary in China. Because he was always part of that. There were these Chinese missionaries. There were a huge. I mean, there were there were British and, and Americans okay. who were, but there were missionaries in China. Because speaking of Ingrid Bergman, yeah. what was the name of the movie? She was a missionary in China. Oh yeah, In the Sixth Happiness. In the yeah. Sixth Happiness. Yeah. What was the song? What was the song? What was the song? <laughs> I know Kurt Jorgens was in it with her. Yeah, yeah. I played tic tac on my drop oh, with yeah. a little, 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 little. Give the dog a bone. This give old, it you know, came rolling, rolling home. home. Yeah. Anyway, that was about the same kind of group, missionaries in China. China, yeah. Yes? Yeah, yeah. All right? Yeah, yeah. Now, Little is a tragedy because he Little He was a very young man then. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. he was a rugby international as well as an Olympic medalist. And there's a great phrase, uh, and you'll remember it, in the end of Chariots of Fire, where in the, the closing, with the writing on the last thing, Little died in 1943, and all of Scotland mourned. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, Little was in Japanese prisoner war camp and died. Yeah. It's not a sequel. You're absolutely right. Mm. But, uh, I mean, I mean I, nothing I thought, against missionaries no, in China, no. but it's hard to make a big story out of Well, it. that's probably the case, and it probably won't be much of a story. Um, it's about, I mean, because you need drama, you need conflict. Yeah. You know, he needs to be up against someone. Yes. You know? All right, uh, time to go. Philip Malloy back with more movies next Wednesday. He's got his very own show, The Picture Show, yeah. on Saturday nights here on News Talk Chuck, with... At 7 o'clock. With <laughs> at 7 o'clock. Okay, seven. Moving! Okay, at, with se- at 7 o'clock. Uh, there's a, a movie, an Irish movie, uh, an animation movie called Song of the Sea, okay? Yeah. Which was made down by uh, a cartoon saloon down in Kilkenny. And we have uh, the director of that, but we also have the young fella from Moon Boy, David Rawl, who d- pr- does one of the main right. voices in that. So. Where does Malloy get that? Incredible. I think it's the money he pays the guests. Yes. Yeah. On sound today, Michael Quilligan and, of course, Peter Malloy. The production team was Ema O'Shea, Joe Coffey and Alex Russo. But from producer Mark Simpson and myself, it's good night and goodbye. I'll be back tomorrow. And don't forget on Thursdays, uh, Bill Hughes has essential songs of a particular year. I wonder what year it is. Anyway, good night.